This morning's reading is from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. Well, good morning. Today we're beginning our series of talks focusing on Paul's second letter to Timothy, a letter which we believe has much to say to us today in our present situation. This letter was written about AD 66 or 67, when Paul was again enduring imprisonment in Rome. During his first imprisonment, Paul was under house arrest and Timothy was with him. However, at the time of writing this letter, Paul is in prison, in chains, in a cold prison cell, somewhere even his friends had trouble finding him. It's no wonder that he longs for Timothy to visit him. A quick reminder about Timothy. He came from Lystra, which is in modern Turkey, and he was the son of a Jewish mother and a Gentile father. We see in Acts chapter 16 that there was an active fellowship in Lystra and that Timothy's mother and grandmother were part of that fellowship. They'd apparently taught him well when he was growing up, since the brothers at both Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. However, it may be that Paul led him to faith on his first visit to Lystra, as in the first of his letters to Timothy, Paul calls him my true son in the faith. Timothy shared some of Paul's travels and truly became like a son to the apostle before settling in Ephesus and becoming the leader of the church there. We know that he was quite young to be leading the church, but he'd obviously been well taught both at home and during his time and travels with Paul. This letter has long been a great favourite of mine. As a new Christian, I was encouraged to try and memorise verses which would help me in my faith. And although I'm not very good at this, there are two, both in this first chapter of Paul's letter, which I do remember. I wonder if you can guess which they are. We won't be getting to the second one today as we're only looking at the first seven verses, which begin 
with Paul's greeting and then go on to encourage Timothy in his faith and ministry. Firstly though, Paul's greeting. It may seem a little odd that in such a personal letter Paul begins by, in a sense, stating his credentials. He writes, This is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. But as I thought about this, I came to the conclusion that in all probability the letter, although personal to Timothy, might well have been shared around that fellowship in Ephesus. So Paul wanted his readers to be in no doubt where his authority to teach came from. And we today should also have no doubts about Paul's God-given ministry. Although his letters were written the best part of 2,000 years ago, they still have much to say to us today. In the NIV, the next five verses appear as one paragraph. And here we see, first of all, Paul thanking God for Timothy, his dear son, someone for whom he obviously prays about daily. Prayer is such a privilege. It's amazing to think that the Creator God is always ready to hear us when we come to him. And we have both a privilege and a responsibility to bring before God them, those whom he has laid on our hearts. I sometimes wonder how long Paul's prayer list was. If we look at the ending of some of his letters, we see quite a long list of names, obviously people who were precious to Paul. I wonder how he remembered them all. I'm fairly sure that his memory was a lot better than mine is. My prayer list is probably not as long as Paul's, but I have still had to write down the names of those I pray for daily. Maybe I'm older than Paul was at the time of his writing. At the moment, we can't meet up with our loved ones, but we can pray for them, even if we don't know their particular needs at a particular moment. God knows and he hears our prayers and, I firmly believe, answers them. And then we see a lovely touch, a human touch, in verse 4. Perhaps when Paul and Timothy parted last, Timothy was somewhat distraught because he shed a few tears. Parting does that, doesn't it? When our son and his family, who live in Australia, left to return home after a visit last year, I think we all shed tears. It's only natural. That's one of the reasons why Paul longs to see Timothy again. Their reunion will indeed be joyful. Isn't it wonderful to see this great man of God, this amazing teacher, the Apostle to the Gentiles, whose writings sometimes seem quite hard to understand fully, sharing his emotions for all to read. As Paul thinks of his dear son Timothy, he's also reminded of Lois and Eunice, Timothy's mother and grandmother, 
who became followers of Jesus before Timothy did. Those who come from a Christian home, a Christian life, may indeed be truly blessed, although having a Christian family doesn't make one a Christian. The decision to follow Christ is a purely personal one, one which we all have to make for ourselves. But there is, of course, much to be learned and to be thankful for if one does come from a family of faith. Paul then encourages Timothy to be courageous in his role as the leader of the church in Ephesus, despite being a youngster. Paul reminds Timothy of the gift which God bestowed upon him, given through a prophetic message when Paul and the elders laid hands on him. We don't actually know what that gift was, but presumably it was that or part of that which equipped Timothy for his leadership role. And there's a message for each one of us here. If the Lord has blessed you with a gift, whatever that gift is, don't despise it or let it die. Use it to bless others and to be a blessing and to bless God who gives generously. Then we come to the verse I sort of referred to earlier, verse 7, which I committed to memory many, many years ago. We're all called to be bold in our witness for the Lord because he doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but he gives us a spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline. This is a threefold blessing and a challenge for each one of us, not just for Timothy all those years ago. Firstly, when God asks us to do something, he gives us the power to achieve it. Secondly, we know that God is love, and we are all called to love, unreservedly, regardless of the cost. Thirdly, we're all called to follow the example of Jesus, who did nothing outside the will of his Father. So, that's a first step along the way into this wonderful letter that Paul wrote so many years ago. May I urge you to read the whole letter in one sitting, maybe even in another translation or paraphrase. There's an abundance of wonderful verses within these four short chapters and a wonderful abundance of teaching. And as we read these chapters with open hearts and minds, the Lord will indeed bless us richly. In closing, although I may not be able to use all of the words that Paul uses in verse 3, I do thank God whom I serve, as I remember you all in my prayers. God bless you all. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that your word brings us 
the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, as Paul tells Timothy. We thank you for the gift of your word, as relevant today as when it was first written down. We thank you for your faithful servants bringing the word to us, for Paul and Timothy, for those who faithfully transcribed the word, for those who translated it for us to read in English, for those who continue to interpret it for us today, and for the Holy Spirit who sheds light on its timeless truths for us. Lord, in the midst of darkness, fear and worry, we thank you that your word brings us the promise of life. Help us to be a light to those around us and to bring hope to a hurting world. May we show our love by our actions. Help us to feed the hungry, keep in touch with the lonely who are like those in prison, bring comfort to the grieving and treat everyone with your compassion. Thank you that Jesus listened to people and was aware of their needs. Help us to be Christ-like even when we can't be physically close to people. Lord, we pray for the leaders of the world. Help them to be humble enough to work together and to seek your wisdom. We pray for those making impossible decisions which affect the lives of millions of people every day. We pray for the leaders of the church. May they be bold in declaring that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. At this time when life seems precarious, may they remind people of the certain hope of eternal life through Jesus. We pray for all our missionaries, especially those working in poorer countries without good health care. Protect them and their families. Help them to continue in their work despite restrictions. And help them support the local church in its effort to reach out with help and hope to those around them. Lord, we thank you for everyone working in the NHS and care sector. Give them enough energy to persevere. Give them compassion for those in their care and for their fellow workers. And take the burden of their physical and emotional exhaustion onto yourself. Thank you for their selfless example. And we pray that they would have the right equipment to stay safe. Lord, be with those who are ill, anxious and lonely. Grant them your healing and comfort. Lord of all creation, we ask you to bring an end to this pandemic, either through the work of scientists with the knowledge you give them or through your own mighty power. Lord, we pray for ourselves. Thank you for new ways of being church. Help us to reflect on what is good and not just go back to our old ways and traditions when our churches reopen. Help us to reflect on our lifestyles and the world's ways which have led to this disaster and help us to resolve 
not just to go back to that way of living, but to have a new respect for other people and your creation, and to seek to live less selfishly in the future. God of love and light, in this time of fear, give us your peace. In this time of isolation, give us your presence. In this time of sickness, give us your healing. In this time of uncertainty, give us your wisdom. In this time of darkness, shine your light upon us all. In Jesus' name, amen.